There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 226 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am so excited to be connecting with you again this week. And I have a quick request like I normally do. If you have been listening to the show for a while, and it's helped you and you love it, I would be so grateful if you took a quick moment to leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. And especially if you listen on Apple podcasts, it really helps me to organically grow the show. And it's the best way to support me and my work. So if you're not sure how to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, just drop me an email. I've got some video walkthroughs on how to do it. You can reach me at veronicagrant.com forward slash contact, or you can also send me a DM Veronica E. Grant, and I can help you and I read every single review and I'm just so, so grateful. So thank you. Thank you. All right, so we are about, well, the time I'm recording this, about four months into quarantine. By the time this comes out, probably about five months into quarantine. And I know quarantine means different things depending on where you are in the country and what's going on and how bad the outbreak is with coronavirus. And, you know, I've been taking it pretty seriously this whole time, maybe even a little bit to the point of being paranoid. And for good reason, you know, I've been pregnant during this whole time. And especially towards the beginning of my pregnancy, I was very concerned about potentially losing the pregnancy if I were to have gotten severely ill. So I've been really, really careful. And even as I've moved into the third trimester, and you know, if I were to have the baby today, the chance of survival would be really, really high. I have noticed that my, I don't know, paranoia is the right word, but my 
level of concern has not really gone down. So, you know, I'm doing some more things, getting more takeout. We're going to the beach as long as there's plenty of space to social distance from other folks that are there. Uh, One thing that I've been doing is because we are spending more time at home and it's just so hot. I don't know if I'm not used to East Coast humidity after being gone for so many years or if it's because I'm pregnant or a little bit of both, but like it's just so hot and I just cannot even be bothered to be outside, which is very unusual for me. So I bought season one of Bachelor in Paradise and I've been enjoying that. It's been super fun to watch that. I only started watching Bachelor in Paradise with season four. So there's all this great content that I've just never seen. (laughs) So I'm spending some time doing that. And, you know, I was going to do some of that during my maternity leave, you know, with all my late night feedings and whatnot. But I figured with Claire's season starting in the fall and then Matt James season starting, I guess, in January, I'll have some good Bachelor content already. So you know, for right now, I can just watch these old seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. It's super fun. And actually, season one, I had no idea Claire Crawley is actually in it. And she's the next Bachelorette. And this is making me even more excited. I was already excited about their pick, you know, with her just being an older woman. I mean, older, relative older than Bachelor Nation. She's still only 39, which I think is relatively young. But for the Bachelor world, that's certainly like grandma status. So I'm really excited see some more age diversity. Hopefully we'll see some more racial diversity and body diversity, but they're certainly very, 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 very slowly on the right path or hopefully getting onto the right path and they will stay there. So I'm curious, do you love Bachelor in Paradise or do you love the regular seasons of The Bachelor more? So just send me a DM or an email and let me know because you know I could always talk about this you know, forever, which I won't because this is not a Bachelor recap episode. I want to get into today's episode, which I'm super excited and really grateful for Pam's question because this comes up a lot. I get it in my DMs. I get it in my emails. And that is just a fear that, oh crap, I'm not putting myself out there enough. I'm not meeting enough people. I need to meet more people. I need to you know, do all of these things, need to go on more dates, need to be online more, need to go to this meetup group, need to go to that thing, then this thing. And the truth is, is unless you are literally living under a rock, and I know, again, it's quarantine, so you probably are spending a little bit more time or a lot more time at home than you usually might be. But I still believe that even if we're spending more time at home because of quarantine, unless you are literally just completely isolating yourself from the world, you're not online or you're not doing anything, more than likely your problem is not your lack of going on dates. Your problem is not a lack of meeting people. Even if you're just going on a handful of dates a year, and again, what is a lot or not a lot is gonna be super subjective to some people, as I tell Pam when we first get started with our call, that's probably not your problem, especially if you're experiencing the same thing over and over again. So if you're going on 50 dates a year and you're experiencing the same thing and you think you need to go on more dates, then it's probably not that you need to go on more dates, even if you're only going on five to 10 dates a year or whatever, but you experience the same thing over and over again. Again, it's probably not that you need to go on more dates. It's that there's something else deeper going on. So if you feel like you need to date more, or if you feel like with the people that you are meeting, you aren't really feeling a connection, or you're not really feeling excited about who you're meeting, I want you to pay extra close attention to this episode, because there's definitely something else going on. And The exact thing may not be the exact thing that Pam is going through, but I hope and I think 
that it'll get you thinking about your situation in a new way. So you can kind of get really curious and get underneath the surface as to what's really going on your love life. So you can shift it. So with that, let's get right to it. Hi, Pam. Welcome to the show. How can I help? Hello. So I was really happy to come across your podcast and uh, just get to learn more about dating. But to have you answer and say to me over Instagram that it's usually not that you need to meet more men was really surprising for me. I've moved to a new city. I've been here for almost a year now. And I just thought I needed to get out there and meet more people. I've gone on 17 dates in a year. And for you to share with me that, like, it's usually that 80% rather than that 20%. Yeah. Did you say 70 or 17? 17. Uh, 70. I'm like, I wouldn't be able to do everything I need to do if I did 70. But one seven. Okay. Okay. So that's like one and a half dates a month or so. Yeah. I Okay. So that's not too many. Um, I mean, it's subjective to everyone. Some people listening are going to be like, wow, that's a lot. And some people listening are going to be like, wow, that's not a lot. So it's, it's subjective. So let's just, you know, say that to um, the beginning. Do you feel like you need to date more? I need to, like, I, I don't think I'm meeting the right people. I'm not like I've been on these dates and it's either, it's like not a good fit I just feel like I haven't met someone who I can open up with, connect with. There was some potentials, but then I got disappointed in them or like if they didn't work out. I, for New Year's, I set a New Year's resolution of 20 dates in 2020 because I was like, I just need to get out there more. I recently started a master's program. I thought I'd meet all these people in going back to school and, uh, I met someone at the beginning and thought it was exciting and potential and it didn't work out. So I just needed to keep getting out there. Yeah. And yeah. So the 20 dates in 2020 was going to help me. Yeah. Well then 2020 happened and everything went to shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Definitely. It's a hard year, but it's definitely going to be, I think when we look back a very good year for us individually and collectively, but that's another yeah. point or a whole other give us more time to do that inner work that I, think I need to work on. Yeah. Okay. So I want to dig in because obviously it's not the number of people that you're meeting or not meeting when ultimately you're telling me the same thing is happening over and over again. Basically there's just no connection. Some, there might be a little bit more connection, but you end up disappointed. Is that, Mm -hmm. is that true? Okay. I think Um, I struggle with opening up when there is potential. You you struggle with opening up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's never about how many dates you're going on or not going on. Right. Because ultimately, you know, unless you're like looking for like a polygamous relationship, which I don't think you are, you only need one. You know what I mean? So like you don't need to go on tens or scores or hundreds of dates like ever. But unfortunately in popular culture and a lot of other dating advice spaces, the numbers game is very much touted. Oh, it's just a numbers game. And it's true that like, if you're literally being a hermit, never leaving your house and never talking to anyone, are you going to meet someone? Probably not, (laughs) but it's not a numbers game. And I have a podcast episode about this. I'll link to it in the show notes just for you and others to listen to if, if you want. But one thing that I just will say really quickly right now, and then we'll kind of get into what's really blocking you 
and this is actually like a little formula that my husband came up with and he's like not life coachy at all. He's like super engineer. So I was like super proud when he came up with us. But basically the, if you think of like a scale of like zero to a hundred and if you're like 10% emotionally available, and again, that's subjective, but 10% like, I'm eh, not really letting people in, not really opening up. You could go on a hundred dates, but only 10% of those are going to, you know, have any kind of potential for a future. Whereas if you were 90% or 80% emotionally available and you go on a hundred dates, then 80, 90% of those dates will have some sort of potential for the future. Um, now, obviously this is a completely subjective formula. It has not been field tested, but I think it's generally true, right? Like if you are experiencing the same thing over and over again, why is something different going to happen the next time? Do you know what I mean? So tell me a little bit about your fear of opening up. Like I can have a date with anyone and help them be comfortable. I can make it easy, an easy date. I'm good with people. I'm good at making people feel comfortable, but like, I need to get clear on that. What do I actually need from this person rather than people pleasing and just helping them be comfortable. But when it comes to actually getting, okay, let me, let me pause you. So this pattern of wanting to help other people feel comfortable, how long has that been prevalent in your life or where do you think that comes from? Uh, I'm the youngest of seven kids. I <laughs> I think with like my brother and picking on me and like whenever I had big feelings or I was upset, like you know, I was probably too much. And I think I have a need to feel, I feel like I can't be needy type thing. Okay. And what happens if you're needy? I'm afraid in dating that I'm going to scare them off. Mm-hmm. And what were you afraid of um, happening if you were needy when you were a kid? Well, I wouldn't get to hang out with my older brother or his friends or he'd make fun of me. I could share my emotions with my mom, but it's more you need to like toughen up, I guess. So, and how old do you feel when you think about, you know, wanting to please your older brother? I feel like a little, little Pam. <laughs> little Pam. How old? Give me a number. Doesn't, it doesn't have to be accurate. Just what do you feel? Probably like five, six, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're dating now, it's, I don't know how old you are now, but it's not your current day self. It's as if you were five or six year old or sitting at the table. I can even see in my own relationship or dating my emotional like expression, like skills and language skills. They just back up. They like shut down with friends. I can use so many different emotions and label how I'm feeling. As soon as I'm dating with someone, it's like, it just closes off. It's like a different pan. Okay. Let's work with that. So go ahead and close your eyes for a second. Okay. Can you feel that you said you can feel that closing off, not with friends, but when you're on a date with someone, can you generate that feeling right now? Yeah. Okay. Keep your eyes closed. And where do you feel it in the body? In my chest. Okay. And tell me what it feels like. Feels like like walls are going up. Mm-hmm. And how intense does it feel on a scale of one to 10, 10 being most intense? Probably eight. Okay. So let's just breathe with it for a second. We're not trying to make it go away. We're not trying to make it wrong. Just saying, oh, here's this part of me that wants to please others and not be too much. Hello. How are you? Good to see you again. Kind of that energy. Good. And what is this part of you that you can feel? What does she need? 
to feel safe, to feel appreciated, mm -hmm. to feel valued. Mm -hmm. My brain goes to what my friends make me feel. So if I could have find that, work towards that in a dating relationship. Yeah. And I would say that the goal is for you to be able to make yourself feel that way. It's good that you feel that way with your friends, obviously. I mean, if you didn't feel safe with your friend group, I'd be like, okay, we have a wider conversation around relationships more broadly, right? Yeah. Now, why this comes up with dating specifically, a lot of potential reasons. Sometimes it can actually be a fear around men specifically. So if this specific core wound relates specifically to your brother, then you know, your brother, it's not the same kind of influence that like your dad would have or, or mom, just depending on how that played out. And, you know, I don't know if we'll have time to get into what was going on with parents, but your brother was obviously a very inf early influence in your life. Like if he's older than you, you literally have been around him since birth. Right. And so he's going to play a big factor in how you relate to men, how you view men, how you're supposed to act around men you know, at the time it was boys, but then they became men, right? As you, as you became a woman. And so it could be a specific block around men specifically. Mm -hmm. It could also just be when we don't feel the inherent love and worthiness and safety and belonging and all that stuff that we need to feel innate or that we need to feel like innately, then a lot of times that tends to show up in a romantic relationships because I think romantic relationships have a very almost primal instinct. And so it just pulls in some of our more primal, like survival type of thing. So it's going to bump up against core wounds a lot more than, you know, your girlfriend that you like to get drinks with. Not to say that you only have shallow relationships with your friends, but so that's why. So tell me other than your brother growing up, well, let me, let me ask you this. Were your parents aware of the dynamic between you and your brother that you felt like you had to please them in order to be included and to hang out with them, to feel cool, all that stuff? I think like growing up, like they didn't even, as we got older, they didn't want me hanging out with him and his friends. So they didn't see it as an issue of me wanting to like get along and like be cool enough to, for my brother to like me and like, Growing so they up. saw him as like a bad influence or getting yep. into trouble? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And okay. when you mentioned like that, maybe a core wound around men or like unhealthy kind of relationship with men so far, like I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16. There's very much male, female dynamics in my household. Girls, ladies, they had to do the housework and take care of everyone else. And the boys got away with anything the girls had to like stay home. It's very Irish Catholic, like girls can get pregnant. We're going to keep them at home and like not going to parties. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then sharing all this with me out loud, does it feel surprising to you that you have trouble opening up to people when you go on dates? No, no. It was very much until the end of my undergrad. It was like, you don't have time for a date. Don't bother about dating. Like, like focus on your other things. And then as soon as undergrad was done, I had, I, I, my mom, it flips to like, so how are you getting out there? Like, if you don't mingle, you stay single. And I'm like, in a summer, the whole language just shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not funny how that happens. Yeah. Um, 
I talk about this on a podcast that's coming up. No, actually, by the time this released, it would have been released the previous episode about how you can't be slutty, but you also can't be too prude. <laughs> like, what the hell? What the hell are we supposed to do? Okay. So I think it goes without saying that your little girl, she needs to be reparented. That unless it's the dynamic that you want to continue on in your life and in your family and in your relationships, you aren't here to, you know, not get pregnant and please men and be a good little girl. You know, now if that's the life you want to build, you're going to do it. Like you're good. You're good. You're you're good. What are the fears around letting go of that part of you that you were, you know, taught? Um, Just hearing that I need to repair it myself brings up a lot of emotions because I love my family. I love my parents. I think my mom's an amazing mom. And so it's actually bringing up a lot of emotions, but I learned emotion like guilt or (laughs) sadness that um, I can't like things aren't just happening well because I was raised so well. Like I care about parenting. I'm looking into like how I want to raise my kids. I work with kids. My research is around kids. And so it just, makes me sad that you know such like a beautiful childhood and parenting and so much love still created these challenges for me and I think it's other factors too but um like I've already acknowledged that I'm not going to do the no dating till you're 16 with my kids even if one of my children I'm worried about dating young and getting pregnant young it's more about those conversations yeah and um like I've had some really good conversations with my older sisters when I was young about dating as I had my first boyfriend and whatnot. And I think some of those conversations around dating helped me more than any, there was like minimal conversations about dating other than you're not allowed to date, no sex till marriage. Like yeah, basically stay away from boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to acknowledge that you're breaking a generational pattern, right? This is not stuff your parents made up. Right. And and that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to carry. And so any emotions that you're feeling are completely normal. I would expect them. And I'm glad that you said what you just said, because for people listening right now, I want it to be really clear. Like we all have inner child stuff, you know, and this is not a referendum on how much love your parents had for you or how good or bad your childhood was or how good of a parents they were. It's nothing, you know, all parents like are humans (laughs) and we don't realize that our parents are humans until, I don't know. I mean, the age might vary. I didn't really realize my parents were humans. So probably I was about a teenager. I was like, Oh, they're just like regular old humans. And because they're humans, they're imperfect, you know? Yeah. And so because we are all being raised by imperfect beings, and again, this is not saying they're bad or wrong or don't love you, they're imperfect beings, then they're going to do imperfect things. They're going to miss things. They're going to um, misread a situation or not give you what you really need or want in a situation or in a moment. And that's okay. I think that's part of the human experience. And so I think it's so beautiful that you have, I know you said you had a good relationship with your mom. Do you have a good relationship with your dad or is it more your mom? I have a good relationship with both of them, but okay, my great. dad is definitely more closed off with uh, okay. feelings and 
but he's yeah. amazing with like acts of service and loves to help me and connect through helping me with my car and like got it, and, got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. If today's conversation resonated with you and this feels like something you need, it's possible. There are spots right now available to work with me privately. Together, we can unravel your dating patterns, clear your love blocks, and get you into the relationship you desire and deserve by digging into your constitution, your childhood, and your previous relationships. Working with me privately means I can meet you where you're at and hold your hand through the process. It doesn't matter if you've never done this work or you've been doing it for years. All that matters is that you're done with where you're at and you're ready to find love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest the time and money in radically changing your life. To explore if this is the right fit for you, please visit me at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to learn more and schedule your introductory call with me. So either way, though, you have a good relationship with both parents and you're human and you have emotional needs, perhaps either beyond what they're capable of providing or, you know, I think that when we didn't get what we needed as a child, you know, your parents obviously didn't want you to hang out with your brother once you got older because they didn't want you to get in trouble. They didn't want you to go down whatever path he was going. Obviously that came from a place of love. They wanted you to stay on the quote unquote right path and continue making good grades and have a good life and good career and blah, 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 blah. That doesn't come from like, we really don't like Pam. That comes from we really care for Pam, right? And what they missed in that moment was how you wanted to hang out with your brother because it made you feel a certain way. Because mm-hmm. it made you feel good enough. It made you feel like you belonged. It made you feel loved. Who knows, right? It made you feel, you could probably list a bunch of things that it would have made your little girl self feel. And with those kind of core wounds, really, I think the only way to truly fill them is through ourselves anyways. So this is like, regardless of what your relationship with your brother is like today, or your relationship with, you know, with your parents, you create a situation where, you know, as humans, we all want to feel love, safety, and belonging. And you didn't feel one, two, or all three of those things from the relationship with your brother. And so then you wanted to please, that was what you did to compensate in order to feel love, safety, or belonging. And so the only way to then fill that void or fill that wound or heal that wound is actually you reparenting. So it really is, doesn't have anything to do with how good or bad your parents were, Mm -hmm. how good or bad the relationship is today. It's just this core wound that for whatever reason is part of your soul's path. And it's part of your soul's path to heal that wound, you know, to move forward. And I think in doing so, you know, for whatever reason, you have been given the path of direction, the assignment, some people say divine assignment to put an end to this generational pattern of men and women's roles and having very, one might say, antiquated views on dating and sex and relationships and and so healing this wound is part of that soul assignment. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Does that help make you feel a little better about reparenting? <laughs> yeah. I think it would be really helpful for me to be able to reparent that wound because I think that stemmed shaped my relationships with the needing to be good enough for the right guy. Yeah. Needing to like it, 
started with my relationship with my brother and like wanting to be cool enough to be with him and his friends and always wanting to join and never getting to. Yeah. Yeah. If you show up on a date and you're like either consciously or subconsciously, like I need to be good enough for this person, then you're already like, you're not present. Mm-hmm. You're just not like you. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's like an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp, right? Like you can't be present when you're trying to think, well, what is he thinking? How does he see me? What do I need to do next? What do I need to say? Does he like me? Does he see me as marriage material or whatever, mm-hmm. wherever your mind might be going? Like you just can't possibly be present when your mind is there. Mm-hmm. And when you're not present, connection and vulnerability just can't take place. And my guess, if I was a betting woman, my guess is that the people that you did feel a connection with probably reminded you specifically of either your dad or your brother. And that unconsciously was like, Ooh, I can feel this wound because this person reminds me of my brother. And if they like me, then I can, you know, or if they approve, then that will heal the core wound. Now, until you're consciously aware of that happening, no one's thought processes like that, but like unconsciously, like that's why we tend to go after people that remind us of our caregivers, specifically for women who are heterosexual, you know, look for caregiver or for partners like their dad and then men like their moms. It's not always like that. Sometimes we end up dating our moms for women or sometimes we end up dating people like our dads if we're, you know, if we're males. But generally speaking, I would say that's true. So there was probably some sort of dynamic with those people that you did have a connection with. But here's the other thing that I want to say. And, and the reason why I had you lean into that part of you that feels the tightness and the walls coming up when you're on a date. I actually don't want you to fight that feeling when you're on a date. Are you actively dating still? Yeah. Well, I went off dating apps for like 10 days. Okay. Okay. And as best you can, you know, given, you know, coronavirus. (laughs) I have a lot of opinions about that. Actually, it's a great time to date personally, but I won't go into that right now. But so I took a public speaking class probably two years ago and it was a public speaking class that was focused more on like the feminine of it rather than like the masculine. So a very popular public speaking organization is uh, Toastmasters, right? Yeah. Like everywhere. And Toastmasters really teaches you to like own the room and like really just like make yourself big and er. <laughs> it's like very masculine. It's like any kind of nerves, like you're stronger than that, right? And that's fine. Like, obviously it works. Otherwise I'm sure Toastmasters wouldn't be where it is today. But I don't think that works for everyone. And I would be very curious to hear if it works for men and women equally as well. I would just be curious. I don't know for sure. But anyway, so this public speaking class is through this organization called Women Speak. And what she teaches is that when you feel the nervousness, actually lean into that because that's your core self. That's your intuition. That's like the inner child or, you know, however all these words are ultimately interchangeable. It's your wise self even. So I think the same thing is true when you're going on a date with someone, you know, you, part of us, I think wants to just like fight through the nerves or fight through the, whatever clenching you might feel in your chest. But instead, if you can like actually relax back into it, and say, okay, this is just the part of me that is afraid of being rejected, the afraid of part of me that's not feeling good enough. Like, what is she telling me right now? What is she 
What does she need from me? And you can feel there's like a softening there. And you can feel how that really allows you to be present and aware of what's really going on within your body, but then also within the conversation on the date. And I think it does work better personally to ease the nerves. And I also think it helps you to be more grounded and more focused and more yourself so that, you know, there's the best chance to see if there's a connection. No, it doesn't mean there's gonna be a connection. Not everyone's the right person, right? Most people aren't the right people, but it's definitely gonna give you the best opportunity to see what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the words that you shared before reminded me how I did your love block quiz and I am a future tripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get thinking ahead of like, will they fit? Like, will, will they get along with my family? Like. <laughs> And I appreciated you helping me feel those walls come up around my heart when I'm shutting down or not able to open up anymore. Because I think I can feel that in the future and when that's happening. And it it allows me to think of, do I want to let these walls come up? Or is this a moment where I want to actually open up and share with this person? Yeah. Yeah. I think you just made a good point that I I mean, I uh, know to end on is, sometimes people get confused, you know, when they know they have walls up or they struggle to connect or struggle to be vulnerable. And then they're like, oh, well, this is a problem for me. So I'm just gonna let my walls come all the way down. But you still want discernment. Not everyone deserves your vulnerability. It's a privilege. Not everyone deserves to deeply connect with you. It's a privilege. So you still want to practice discernment in that, you know, Mm -hmm. because it may not be safe to be emotionally vulnerable with some people because they may not be emotionally safe people you know, but it's going to be much harder even to use your discernment and determine that because that's ultimately an intuitive call that you're going to have to make. And it's going to be hard to do that if you're in your head. Yeah. My brother has recently moved back to where I live from New Zealand. (laughs) And my brain is like, do I want to work on that relationship and get some healing there as well? Or like, I don't need that healing to heal my relationship for dating. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be, you know, a longer conversation. And, you know, if we're working longer term together, like that would definitely be something we could dive into. I think that obviously I'm never going to be like, don't heal any past relationships. Like, I mean, no, I'm not going to say that. But sometimes if we go to the source of a core wound or pain too soon, they may not be emotionally available or willing to give you what you need. And so then that can just reopen the wound, make it more painful and that much more difficult for you to heal. So if there's a desire from you to want to heal your relationship with your brother, I totally hold that for you. But I really encourage you to heal it within yourself first. Mm -hmm. Give me like a good place to work on that relationship from. Yeah. So that when you do go and try to heal the relationship, you're not needing him or his approval or his whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to feel a certain way, but it's like, okay, I've healed this within myself. I'm feeling so much better. I'm feeling so much more like myself. I'm feeling so much more confidence. If I could heal this thing with my brother, that would just be the cherry on top. Yeah. Thank you. That helps. My pleasure. Was this helpful? Yeah, it it took a different path than I necessarily expected, but it was helpful. Yeah, that's pretty typical for these calls. So thank you so much for your vulnerability and coming onto the show. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Pam for coming onto the show. As always, I appreciate your question. I appreciate your vulnerability. And Pam's initial question was around how she was going on all these dates, but nothing was panning out and was wondering if she needed to put herself out there more. Now, like I said to Pam, unless you're literally living under a rock and never leave your house and never go online or never talk to anybody your whole entire life, this probably isn't your problem. And even if you could you know, have some more room for putting yourself quote unquote out there more. The reason you're not is likely because of a deeper core wound and not just something you need to be more disciplined about and find some more willpower around. So it quickly became clear that Pam wanted to feel included and quote unquote cool enough to hang out with her brother. And that created a core belief and a core wound that manifested in people pleasing tendencies. Just like how she was wondering if her brother would include her in hanging out and when his friends were over and all that stuff, she was wondering if the guy she liked was into her and where it was going and what he thought of her and all of those things. So like I said to her, it was like her five-year-old self was going out on all of these dates. And in addition to the dynamic with her brother, there was a larger dynamic within her family around gender roles. Girls had to stay home and not get pregnant. And then all of a sudden it was time to get married where boys and men had a lot more free reign to do what they wanted. So part of her healing process, and we didn't talk about this too much in the call today, but I do want to emphasize it in the breakdown here is part of her healing process is going to be her relationship with the masculine. The masculine doesn't necessarily feel unsafe to her. At least I didn't get that sense. Although again, if we were coaching for longer, there might be some more things to come up. So it wasn't necessarily a sense of unsafety with the masculine. It was just more of like a what is this thing, right? And so she needs to build some familiarity with it. And in doing so, it's not necessarily that she needs to go out more dates and just hang out with more men and get more experience that way. Although having a lighter approach to her dating of just, okay, I'm just going to go out and have fun, I think could be helpful. What I think would be really, really helpful is to feel the masculine presence within her life she already has. So her own masculine energy, if she can channel that into some of her meditations or journaling or channeling the love from her father, or perhaps there's an uncle or a grandfather that she was really close with, and she can channel their more masculine love. And that can really help her to embrace what it feels like to be held by the masculine rather than to be accepted by the masculine. That's very, very different. And we also talked about reparenting herself. And I'm really glad that this actually brought up some emotion, not that I want my callers or clients to cry, but I do want, obviously, it's helpful to feel something when you're doing this kind of work. But I'm just glad that it really brought home the point that, you know, inner child work, this kind of work that I do with my clients that I've done on myself, it has nothing to do with how good or bad your childhood was, how good or bad your parents are, how much they love you or whatever. We are all raised by imperfect beings, you know, unless you were like literally raised by, I don't know, something that wasn't human, you were raised by someone who is an imperfect being. And through that, there have been experiences where you didn't feel the love, safety or belonging that you needed. And because you didn't feel the love, safety or belonging, A, that does not make that person or that caregiver, a parent or whoever, a bad person, 
or an incompetent or an uncaring caregiver. It's just, again, it means they're human. And because you didn't get that love, safety, and belonging, then you created some sort of belief about yourself, men, women, love, the world. And that belief became the way in which you saw the world, saw yourself, saw relationships, saw those things. And then that just became your reality, right? And until you decide to change the glasses, so to speak, that will be the way in which you operate. So Pam created a lens, so to speak, where men were just these beings that could do whatever they wanted. And women had to play more by all of these rules and not be too much and not be this and not be that or whatever. And so with trying to date with that pair of glasses on, it's very, very challenging because she's actually trying to not date within that paradigm. And so that's creating a lot of the feelings of feeling shut down, not feeling connected, not feeling sure of herself, because she's just feeling really wonky on what she's standing on. So when she's reparenting herself, really, all she's doing is just taking the pair of glasses off that she's had for a long time, and putting the pair of glasses that she wants on. And she's already fairly clear as to what she wants to have and create and be and believe in her life. I mean, she shared a little bit about how she wants to raise her future kids. And so she has a sense of it consciously, but now she has to do the reparenting and the inner work so that she can put that pair of glasses on unconsciously so that when she goes out on a date and whatnot, she doesn't just completely clam up. And going off that, I actually really wanted her to embrace that nervousness or that feeling she felt when her walls were going up around her chest, around her heart, because I really believe that's her inner child. That's really who she is at her essence. That's her intuitive body. That's her wise woman. And so I don't want her to fight through that or pretend like it's not there or just grin and bear it because I think like I gave her in the example when I was talking about women speak versus Toastmasters, I think that it can create even more disconnect between where you are and the connection that you want to have with the other person. So if she could actually just kind of lean back into this feeling of like, okay, what is this person or what does this part of me need? How can I support them? How can I honor them? How can I love them? How can I show compassion? And then show up from that place. And A, you're coming in, in from a more feminine perspective, but you're also grounded and you're present. And when you're grounded and you're present, you're much more able to connect with the other person across the table, you're much more able to use that discernment as to whether or not you want to continue the relationship or the conversation or the date, rather than either just shutting everyone out or just thinking, oh, I have to be vulnerable. So anyone can just come in. And then that's, you know, a great way to get hurt. So one of these things alone likely won't fix her problem. But together, you know, the inner child work, the reparenting herself, the healing the masculine and the showing up on the date different and really embracing the part that feels like she needs to shut down or feels like she needs to be in a certain way. I think together, she can definitely be on her way to a healing process so that when she goes on dates, her people pleasing tendencies come out less and she's better able to connect with the right people. And I just want to say healing core wounds and parenting yourself is no joke. And I highly recommend if you're interested in doing this work on yourself, you check out my two week course crappy to happy. I take you through the same framework I take my private clients through to heal core wounds and inner child wounds. And the course also includes a coaching session with me. So you and me, we get to get on the phone and work through anything else that's coming up for you. 
And if you decide you need more support and you want to work through the things that came up for you in the course with my private coaching, you can actually apply your investment from Crappy to Happy towards my one-on-one coaching program if you upgrade within 12 months of your purchase of Crappy to Happy. Normally, you have to upgrade within three months, but with the baby coming and my schedule being totally wonky, I've extended it to 12 just to make it hopefully super easy and seamless. So to learn more about Crappy to Happy, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash courses. So your action steps for this episode today. One, be really honest with yourself. Do you really need to put yourself out there more? Is that really true? Or... Is there something else that's really at play? And if something else is really at play, which again is probably 99% of the time, what is that thing that is at play? What is preventing you either from putting yourself out there emotionally, or why do you think you keep attracting people that you're just not that interested in? What is the pattern that you're playing out? Second, if you do feel like you have an awkward or an unsteady or an uneasy relationship with men, Where did that come from and how can you begin to start embracing the healthy masculine within your life now without necessarily having to just go date and get used to being around a bunch of men in that way? Because again, that can feel emotionally unsafe if you're unfamiliar with the masculine. And then third, if you ever do feel really nervous or you begin to clam up, whether it's on a date or at a work meeting or when you need to have a hard conversation or whatever it is. How can you actually lean into that discomfort and embrace it and find your true self, your intuitive self, your inner wise woman, whatever you want to call her? How can you allow that part of you to actually lead the conversation or the experience rather than try to try to bulldoze over that part of you? So those are your takeaways. Those are your action steps from the call today. I hope you loved this episode and I will see you next week for a brand new solo episode. And in the meantime, I love connecting with you all personally over on Instagram. So if you've not said hello, make sure you come do that. I'm Veronica E. Grant. I'm super active there. I reply to every DM. I answer questions. I do all the things. So I would love to hear from you. And thank you so much for leaving a rating or review wherever you listen to this show. And if you need help leaving a rating or review wherever you listen to the show, just let me know and I'm happy to support you. DMs is a great place to ask for help there. Or you can also email me at veronicagrant.com forward slash contact. Until next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.